The reading this evening is from 1 Peter, chapter 4, from verses 1 to 11, and it can be found on page 1219 in the Bibles in front or behind you. 1 Peter, chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because Whoever suffers in the body has finished with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power for ever and ever. Amen. Thanks, Chris. And let's pray together and ask God to help us to understand. Father, we pray this evening as we come to your word that you would teach us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Okay, here's the situation. Um, last year, you were out with your friends on Friday evenings, and um, week by week, you drunk just too much, and evenings always ended with you being put in a taxi to be brought home. Uh, then in October you became a Christian and uh, you still go out with your friends on, um, on Friday nights but uh, now you drink a J2O or something like that. Uh, that was until last Friday when it all got out a bit out of hand because there was lots of pressure to join in with the drinking, just celebrating with your mates when they got a new job. And uh, to be honest, it was easier to give in and to resist as they would say, oh, come on, come on, stop being daft, just have a drink, have another drink, another one. You got the taxi home again. And frankly, you're feeling rather ashamed uh, that that happened. Well, that and the pressure that you felt is exactly what's going on in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verses 1 to 11. In fact, if you just flick over onto the second page there, onto page 1 to 20, you can see what's going on. So, verse 3, for you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, uh, lust, 
drunkenness, orgies, carousing, that's drinking parties, and detestable idolatry. They're surprised you don't join in with their reckless wild living, and they heap abuse on you. And when it says abuse there, it's actually blasphemy. They heap blasphemy on you. And uh, uh, so the picture here is, is like they're, uh, uh, you know, they're jumping into rough waters off Brighton Beach on a January storm, uh, and they're calling you in too to the debauchery again, to the carousing again, and so on. Now, that may not be a particular temptation that you are uh, uh, facing, but what's happening is that Christians are being encouraged, pressured, into joining in with their previous life that they've now left. Now, of course, that assumes that we have left that previous life, doesn't it? It assumes that your life now is different since you became a Christian. Uh, I mean, if you became a Christian and nothing's changed, then there are plenty of other chapters of the Bible which would be uncomfortable for you to read, but perhaps this one not quite so much. So how can we help ourselves in those kind of situations? And how can we help each other when one another, when we fall into those kind of situations? And to be honest, when sometimes we just slip up and we do things that we're feeling awkward about. So this evening, we're thinking specifically about this. When in trouble. When in trouble. And there are four things to check when you're in trouble. You're being pressured to go back to a, an unchristian way of life. Four things to check. First of all, check your memory. Second, check your calendar. Third, check your heart. Fourth, check your attitude. So here's the first one. Check your memory. Check your memory, verses 1 and 2. Now, you need to have a good memory if you're going to be a Christian. And uh, this is part of a longer passage about suffering for being a Christian. And the key part of this, look back in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. So if you just whiz uh, up the, uh, that column there. For Christ also suffered, so you do, but Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Christ Suffered. So it's talking about suffering for being a Christian. Christ suffered too. And then in, in our passage in verse 1 there, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, because Jesus suffered physically, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body has finished with sin. Now that little bit's uh, a little bit difficult. It's uh, um, it most likely that it's referring to Jesus. In other words, Jesus suffered in his body and was done with sin. He did in sin, if you like, uh, as he died for, uh, on the cross for us. Uh, but it's a bit more than that, because when you go on to verse 2, it says, as a result, they don't live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. So it's saying that Jesus suffered for sin and is done with it, he's finished with it in his own life, and actually eternally sin will be done with. But actually it's saying, because Jesus suffered, you will suffer uh, um, from time to time. But actually, as you do that, remember Jesus' suffering, and actually, you want to be done with sin in your life now as well. How many of, of us actually live lives uh, for our own evil desires? I mean, for instance, um, uh, how many of us live lives for... Uh, uh, for the next fix of pornography? How many of us live our lives for our next drink? Or for our next adrenaline rush with Bet365? 
How many of us live our lives for uh, our next promotion or the next nicer car or the next sunny holiday? What are you living your life for? Well, when we get in trouble as a Christian, check your memory. By which I mean, have you looked back? Have you looked back to Jesus who died for you? seems to me that when we're facing big temptations to live something other than the will of God, to live something other than a Christian life, when you're facing big temptations to go back with your mates to what life was like before, then we need to remember Jesus. And we need to remember his death for us. He suffered in his body and is done with sin. And we will suffer in our bodies too in this life if we're Christians. We too want to be done with with sin and we carry on going because of a bigger picture because we know that Jesus kept on going as he suffered for us so for instance um, I guess you know these two guys the Brownlee brothers that's uh, Jonathan on the right Alistair on the left and uh, you probably know that uh, Jonathan on the right said he was looking like a drunk giraffe or something as he neared the end of the triathlon and his brother Alistair is giving him a helping hand and they kept on going they actually both crossed the finishing line there you keep on going in something like a triathlon because you know the end you know that the medal or the world championship points or whatever uh, that you're aiming for And as Christian people, we keep on going because we have a big picture. Because we know that we're aiming for glory. We're aiming for heaven. We keep on going with all. I was with someone this afternoon, just encouraging them to keep on going as a Christian. In the pain and the discomfort and all the rest of it uh, that they're facing at the moment. But we keep on going because we know that actually a new heaven and a new earth awaits for us. And the person I was with this afternoon, it may not be too long. But we keep on going because we've got the big picture. And the big picture is also one of a God who came to this earth to die for us. So do you remember Jesus? When you're, when you're out, say, you know, it's a Friday night, you're out with your friends, or, you know, people are at the office saying, so why don't you make phone calls, or whatever it would be, at, say, at work and so on, going back to an old way of life. Do you look to Jesus? Do you look to his cross? Do you remember him? Do you take communion regularly? Actually, we should be taking communion regularly as Christian people. Um, and of course, uh, in all this stuff now, it, uh, it never means that we, it doesn't mean that we'll never sin. We won't be perfect here on earth. But our attitude is that we're done with it because of Jesus and because of his death for us. It's a bit like your garden. Now, I guess when you're younger, not many younger folks uh, uh, think that gardening is a great thing. Um, But you know, we all know, don't we, that if you leave your garden, the weeds will grow. When we came here, I don't know what happened to our back garden. It took us several years to find the back fence because the garden had been just left to go, completely overgrown in the uh, gap between Tony and Margaret coming. And, And... Uh, So Anna and I gradually, over a period of time, and rather slowly, uh, got going on it. Dig out the weeds, you win the battle, and you hope at some time you might win the war, but you never quite do, do you? Well, we need to dig the weeds of sin out of our lives. And the more we dig out, the more we win the battles. So check your memory. Look to Jesus' death. He suffered so that we might be heading for 
a weed-free existence in heaven. It's not weed-free now, but we look forward to a day when it will be. Check your memory, looking back. And then looking forward, you want to check your calendar. Now, calendars are what you're planning to do. And um, here's our calendar, okay, uh, for 2018. Surprisingly, it's a Lake District calendar. You wouldn't have believed that, would you? And uh, uh, Anna is the one who fills in the calendar, generally speaking. So uh, here's January, and that's what we're doing. All right, that's what we're planning to do in January. And uh, it's February, and so on, okay? Lots of stuff in the calendar. Now, the thing about this is, There is one thing that isn't on there, but that could happen and will be the most important thing that ever has happened uh, in your lifetime or mine. And you could write on any day of the calendar, could be today, could be today, could be today, could be today. Here we are uh, on Sunday the 21st of January, could be today. Tomorrow the 22nd, could be today, and so on. Now what is that thing? It is the fact that one day Jesus will return. We've no idea when. We can't predict it. But we should not never assume that it won't happen. One day Jesus will return. Now, some people treat it lightheartedly. You know the old Peanuts cartoons? Don't worry about the world coming to an end today. It's already tomorrow in Australia. And, you know, we can take it lightheartedly like that. But actually, the fact is, one day Jesus will return, and then it's Judgment Day. It's Accountability Day. So you look at verse 5 in our passage here, and it says here, They will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Seems to me that's everyone, because you're either living or you're dead. We will all face that day. And, uh, and as someone said, once the game is over, the king and the pawn go back in the same box. We'll all be there. It means your friends on Friday night, following that example, will have to give an account to Jesus, who is ready to judge the living and the dead, how we've lived our lives, what we've done with Jesus. Now, many people don't like the judgment idea, do they? They're always a bit negative and all the rest of it. Um, but actually, it's everywhere. It's everywhere in our world. And it's a good thing. What would the world be like if child sex offenders were just let to go free? What would the world be like if people who hack into your bank accounts or try you to or try to get your bank details and so on, um, if they were, uh, you know, uh, if they were allowed to go free and so on? And everywhere in life, from the high court to the referee's whistle, there's a judgment in our world. It is there, and judgment day is coming one day. We don't know when. Remember your calendar. You look at any of those dates on the calendar for this year and it could happen. It could happen be that at the end of 2018 we won't get there. Because Jesus has come to end the world. The Greek word for this here is krisis. spelt with a K but from which we get our word crisis. And that's what exactly it will be for many Check your calendar. And then in verse 6, the verse 6 looks a little bit, uh, what's all that about? For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, 
So it's actually preached when they were alive, but since then they died. So they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. What it's saying was this. The gospel was preached to people when they were alive. Okay, Some of those people became Christians. Those who became Christians... Uh, some of them were judged according to human standards. Maybe they were judged in human courts in those days for living a Christian life. Maybe some of them were actually even sentenced to death for living a Christian life, for following Jesus. Maybe they just simply died. Whichever it is, maybe it's both. But they now live with God in heaven, in the spiritual realm. Okay, so it's fairly straightforward, verse 6. And then in verse 7... He goes on and talks about judgment. Look at verse 7 there. The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and sober mind so that you may pray. We don't know when, do we? We just know it's near. It's near. It could be very soon. But what we've got to do, what have we got to do? Because there's a, a, a judgment day. It says so you've got to be alert and you've got to be sober minded. Level-headed, not intoxicated. Sensible and not drunk. And there are two things that hinder our prayers here. That is, being stupid and being drunk. It's a Friday night behavior again, isn't it? And it's saying here, look, Christian people are people who pray. That's just what we do. But alcohol will prevent us from doing that. So we need to watch our drinking, don't we? And our lack of self-control will hinder our prayers as well. So when Jesus returns, do you want him to find you hammered? Do you want him to find you high? Do you want him to find you on the internet somewhere you shouldn't be? Do you want, to find, do you want him to find you in bed with someone you shouldn't be in bed with? Do you want him to find you at home with a size 10 hangover? He doesn't want to find you like that either. Check your calendar. Just remember on any of those little squares on your calendar at home, it could be Jesus' day. It could be that actually the rest of your calendar is entirely irrelevant. All those plans, all those things you got in, you know, maybe you booked up holidays for the rest of the year, maybe they're not going to happen. We just don't know. But check your calendar. The third thing you need to do is uh, check your heart. When in trouble, check your heart. When people are tempting you to go back to your old life, check your heart, okay? Now, we have to remember that 1 Peter was written not just to one place, but to loads of Christians spread around the ancient Middle East, okay? Big big group. And uh, he has in mind this pressure on Christians to conform to their old patterns of behavior. And he says here, look, guys, you've got to help each other. So verse, verse 8 here, above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. So, for instance, if there's someone here who gets dragged back, perhaps momentarily into something, or something you're a bit awkward, a bit embarrassed about, or something like that, how are we going to treat them? You're just going to reject them? You're going to turn the shoulder? You're going to be on the welcome team and just not say hello to them next week and so on? No, actually, I think that's exactly the kind of thing it's talking about here. Look at verse 8. Above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Because we know that we could full well be in the taxi on Friday night going home. 
It could be us back to our swearing old ways tomorrow morning. It could be us back to the shoplifting on Tuesday, but actually we're not very good at it because we got out of practice and we get caught. And it says here, love is actually like an umbrella covering over all sorts of things. We still love people. We know that we can be the same. And we love and accept people because they're wanting to walk with Jesus. It's just from time to time we foul up, don't we? We all do. I do, you do, the Bible tells us we do. We love each other. But we can be critical. We can be uh, judgmental of other people. Look, we've just got to say, there but for the grace of God go me and you. Um, in chapter 1 and verse 22, it says, Love one another deeply from the heart, which is literally translated, love at full stretch. And there's a clear hint of that in chapter 4 as well. I love that. Is your love for your Christian brothers and sisters here stretched? Do you love at full stretch? And one of the ways that happens, that we can genuinely love each other, is with hospitality. Now, when he's saying here, when he talks about offer hospitality in verse 9, without grumbling, most likely the stuff that happened was this. Now, in those days, Christians weren't very well off, okay? So if Christians were traveling, they could stay at a local inn, but a local inn is actually dodgy, really dodgy place. You wouldn't want to stay in a local inn. So he's saying, if, if someone is, is coming along, and they come to your, your village, your town, whatever, and they're Christians, you put them up. But Christians are very often very poor, so uh, they wouldn't have a spare bedroom. So if your hospitality then would mean this stranger who's a Christian arrives in your village, you find out, they come to your assembly, your little church, and you say, well, come and stay at our house, come and stay in my bed, and come and have my dinner, and I will go without tonight. That is hospitality. And he's saying doing it without grumbling. So it means, for instance, that our little bit of grumbling, oh no, a small group are coming around again tonight and we've got to, you know, make something for them. That's pathetic, isn't it? You know, he's saying you really ought to be of the kind of mind which says if there are Christian people staying in Hove, they can come and stay at our house and I'll sleep on the floor. They can come to our house and we will gladly cook them dinner that actually we can't aff- so that we can't afford to eat. That's the kind of standard of hospitality. And it's about loving people in the end, isn't it? Check your heart. Check how much you love other people. And then the final thing. So check your memories. You look back, remember Jesus, remember the cross. Uh, check your calendar, the fact that one day Jesus will come back. It can't be on your calendar. We don't know when it's going to be. But one day, one of those squares could have in it Jesus Day. And uh, check your hearts, make sure you're loving people, and then uh, finally check your attitude in verses 10 to 11. In the Salvation Army, there was uh, once uh, an international convention, and the founder, so it was a long while ago, General William Booth was due to speak, but he was ill, couldn't be there. Uh, And so uh, um, he sent them this message to be read out at the convention, and it consisted of one word... Others. Others. Jimmy Carter, former U.S. president, said this, To me, faith is not just a noun, but a verb. 
And the common thing in verses 10 to 11 here is this not about us. You see, the stuff he's got here in verses 10 and 11, um, you know, it's all about gifts, but you serve others as a faithful steward of God's grace. If anyone speaks, it's about the very words of God for others' benefit and so on. So it's not about us, it's about other people. So he's saying here, check your attitudes. People within your church, he's saying, could well be being pressured uh, into returning to a a pre-Christian life. But don't get all smug, because it's not about us and how well or otherwise we're doing as a Christian. So for anyone who speaks, for anyone who serves, uh, the end result is simply God be praised through Jesus Christ, as it says at the end of verse 11, to paraphrase it. So we're not drawing attention to ourselves. Check your attitude. I want to use my gifts to help those who are under pressure to go back to old ways as uh, before, to go back to old non-Christian, pre-Christian ways. So, for instance, they've had a hard time at work. They've been struggling with the pressure that's being put on them, frankly, just simply to lie. So I'm going to have them around for a meal. Um, someone else was really struggling and they were in the taxi home on Friday night. So let's go out for a coffee and just have a chat. We won't mention Friday night, but just want to say that we love them. We accept them. We understand we've done the same. It's all about them. It's not about you. You're on the welcome team on Sunday. Uh, you may dislike what you've heard happen to them last week, but there's a welcome just the same. Check your attitude. It's not about you, it's about them. A couple of specific things as we close. Uh, Verse 11 is talking about all sorts of uh, verbal gifts. It's more of the upfront, or speaking in a small group kind of gifts. And just remember and pray that your words are the very words of God. Perhaps as you speak those to someone who's struggling with the pressure you may be speaking God's word of comfort and help and encouragement to them. And when it talks about serving towards the end of verse 11 there, um, it talks of the strength that God provides. Uh, A phrase that was actually used in terms of paying someone's expenses. So it means as we serve someone, perhaps someone who's under pressure as a Christian, um, We rely on God's strength and energy and wisdom because we know God pays all our expenses in his service. So it means as we go out of our way, as we go out and help someone when we're dog-tired anyway, as we go out and give generously to someone like that, it's saying actually, in that kind of situation, it's saying, guys, we do that and God will pay our expenses. God will pay our expenses of exhaustion. He will pay that back. God will pay our expenses, our kind of, you know, I've been really generous, I can't really afford this. You'd be amazed what God will do with your bank balance. No man's debtor. So when you're in trouble, or when your friends are in trouble from the pressure in the world around us, such as going back to our old life, check your memory. Check your memory of Jesus and the fact he died for you. Check your calendar. We don't know which date, but Jesus is coming sometime 
as our judge. Could be one of those dates on your wall calendar for 2018. We have no idea. But just check your calendar and remember, could be today. Check your heart. Let's love one another, and especially those who are under pressure, not rejecting those among our number who trip up, as we all do from time to time. And check your attitude. The Christian life is never about you. But it's about using your gifts to help one another here in the church family. Let's pray together. Father, we know uh, that this week, and maybe this past week, that we've been under pressure and sometimes we get into trouble. And we want to live for you, but so often we just don't quite do it. And we pray, Father, that you'd help us to check our memory and our calendar and our heart and our attitude so we may help and support each other to walk daily with you, we pray. For Jesus' sake.